0: And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim
1: Palmer. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, with another fantastic interview. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to Andrew Miller. Not only is he from uh, Scotland, now lives here in the U.S., but he's an expert in the franchise industry, and if you know my story, I helped grow a... Um, small chain of 14 stores to 80 stores in 18 states as a franchisor. So I kind of know this industry. It's one of the different ways that you can grow and expand your your business. Um, As I said, Andrew Miller is my guest. He's a franchise sales specialist with You Break, I Fix, which is interesting to find out about that. It's an up and coming uh, tech franchise. And after moving to the U.S. from Scotland and seeing a lack of stability in so many markets, Andrew found that there were unlimited opportunities within the very still young uh, tech franchise industry. Yes, there are things besides food and pretzels in franchising. <laughs> and specifically, um, he got really intrigued with the You Break I Fix" brand. He's passionate about helping prospective franchisees explore the idea of investing in a franchise and helping them determine if it's the right fit. Um by providing them some uh, good con- consultation, et cetera. Andrew enjoys connecting with prospective franchisees and new franchisees to help guide them through the process. He graduated from uh, Abertay University, hopefully I said that right, in Dundee, Scotland, and worked in business development before coming to Orlando, the land of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Andrew, how are you doing today?
2: I'm great, Jim. Thank you so much for the kind words and overview. And you pronounced spot on Abertay is correct.
1: Okay, good. I, so so far so good. Two minutes in, I haven't messed up a word. Um, so I'm just curious, did what brought you to the United States? Was it a vacation? You never went home, or how did you get here? Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's what I know. I didn't move over for Disneyland, although that would be a great reason. My um, my beautiful wife, she's American. She's born and raised in Orlando, Florida. So when we were when we were long distance and dating. We, we used to joke about just the different weather conditions and um, for anyone listening who's been to Scotland or Ireland the weather is it rains almost 24 hours a day sometimes so
1: oh my gosh uh,
2: yeah so she doesn't like the rain too much so me moving over here was um I, I guess real good culture fit for me I, I love the sport I love the culture in America I love the, the, the diversity just the options here it's just um it's an incredible country, Jim, as you know. To to be a part of,
1: yeah. So, uh, so your wife actually is born and raised in Orlando. I thought everybody was a transplant <laughs> to Orlando. <laughs>
2: There's not many left, but no, she's she's born and raised locally in, in Orlando, Florida. And um, so, yeah, lived lived here for five years. Moved over in uh, 2015, and um, yeah, th- thoroughly enjoying it. It does get a bit too warm in summer for me. I do miss the snow. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. So when you were in Scotland, um, obviously you went to university. And so what did you do when you got out? Did you start a business? Did you work for somebody? Like, were you a natural born entrepreneur or what was, what was that road like?
2: Yeah, entrepreneurship, I, I didn't dive into that. And um, my, my older brother did. The route I took was to work in, in a corporate setting. And um, I worked for a, a large university in Dundee and the largest university in Dundee, one of the largest in Scotland on the sports science side is what I did my degree in. So working in management, working with in kind of the corporate setting for those on the calls, you know, you you might be in that corporate world right now and looking to maybe venture out. And that's something I decided to do prior to moving over here and franchising just seemed to be kind of a good fit for my personality for and just as you mentioned, Jim, at the start, the technology space is very young, so it really, it really excited me to grow with
1: a young, not only brand, but a young industry. Hmm. So um, what did so franchising was something you did in Scotland or when you came here, you, you kind of discovered that?
2: So, yeah, I, I've been very aware of franchising over the years. I've worked my first job was working in a company you might have heard of called McDonald's when I was 15. And oh, OK. That was, that was my first role. And I guess my first experience and exposure to franchise ownership now I didn't own the franchise I worked for the franchise owner and, and just getting to talk with him and just see how franchising worked and you know one store versus owning multiple stores operations software systems team support it was very intriguing so I, I never had I guess I was never brave enough and um, although you know you might watch William Wallace in Scotland and he, he's brave heart I, I guess I wasn't the most brave person at that age. But coming over here, franchising started to really make sense for, I guess, for my career path on the corporate side.
1: How would you say, um, you know, when I was in the franchise business, the the line was when you want to be in business uh, by yourself, but or, or when you want to be in business by yourself, but not alone or something like that. I actually forget yeah. it. Uh, when you're uh, franchise, when you're in business by yourself, uh, I'm, I'm messing it up. But is that is that? Still, what intrigues a lot of people today, they'd love to be and own a business, but they really want the kind of the proven operating system.
2: Yeah, you, I would say 85 to 90% of people on our initial call, I usually ask them two questions. Why franchising? You know, why is this the right fit for you? And you know, why you break, I fix. And I guess a third follow-up question is what's your profession? And I would say most of the time people are looking to, they want to be their own boss, have some, I guess, piece of the pie and have some ownership. But they don't want to, and I don't blame them, you know. I guess do it themselves, you know, start a new concept or start a new business which doesn't have a proven concept, or there's no, I, I call it a playbook. There's not been a playbook written yet. So I think franchising, whether it's the food industry, the automobile industry, for us, the electronic industry, having a playbook and a proven business model gives a lot of owners, I think in these uncertain times, peace of mind. That they can kind of jump on the the moving ship with momentum, with support, training, partnerships, and just copy the playbook.
1: Right. Um, by the way, my my the fog is cleared. It was in business for yourself, but not by yourself. That's typically what they what yes, they say I, about.
2: I've heard that before.
1: Yeah. So when did you? T- so I'm curious because um, I kind of uh, ad libbed in your intro about a lot of franchises are obviously food related and. You know, two men in a truck and things like that. But is the technology space is that is that kind of the front wild west frontier? There's a lot of technology, or is that still you know really uh, in its infancy?
2: Yeah, I, I would uh, I would definitely say the industry just from even a consumer, And um, technology seems to always be growing, expanding. And, um, you know, coming out with new devices, some of our partnerships that we have are with Samsung and Google in the US. So seeing new products that they launch is just from a consumer perspective is really exciting for me. I'm very passionate about the, the technology world. And um, so I I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. You know, you, even in, in my house where I'm working from in Orlando, everything is attached to the Wi-Fi, you hear it all the time, Jim, right? The cloud and mobile, the cloud and mobile, wherever you go. So having different devices, whether it's your Roomba, whether it's you know your smartphone, your TV, your laptop, your Roku, whatever it is attached to the Wi-Fi, we, I guess, are the back-end support for a lot of these partnerships, and we fix those devices when they ever break. Or we maintain them, like a car getting a new battery. We do battery replacements, all the, all that. Sort of thing. So
1: so that's interesting. So you break, I fix. Is it that it's not just tech because you just said you you can change car batteries and things like that?
2: No, my I'm sorry, Jim. My analogy was. Oh, okay. I apologize. Is the battery and <laughs> um, the you break, I fix. We fix electronic devices. Got so it. Anything with a power button that's attached to your Wi-Fi in house that you can, you know, pick up or is worth value or we can come to you. We have over 500 vans right now nationwide that are u break i fix vans that drive to places of people's business or drive to your house uh, but does yeah, that we, include
1: computer repair Andrew? it does yeah okay. yeah
2: and we we do free diagnostics in our stores nationwide so if let's say somebody comes in we'll always do right by the customer i think um, amazon do this incredibly swear and um, you know they take so good care of their customers so i guess to steal their motto is you know, we want to make sure the customers are, are taken care of. So doing a free diagnostic, the customer has confidence that, you know, they're not going to be taking advantage of if they come in and there's a, a laptop or computer repair where maybe there's more value in getting a new device, the technician will tell them that at the store. But most of the times in this day and age, people have devices that are, you know, $800, $1,000, $1,200 for a new phone or laptop, Having a repair is very valuable in this day and age.
1: Right. Um, so, do you uh, do you get contracts with you know computer companies? I mean, I guess Dell has their own uh, their own companies, I think. Or yeah. like, is that how you grow by getting these large contracts?
2: Yeah. There's there's three types of customers, Jim. We see daily. Customer one is how we grew our business back in 2009 to this very day. Is out of warranty customers. I'm um, probably like you and a lot of these listeners that you have on your show are are probably tuning in and they might not have insurance on their device. But if they break their laptop, I'm sure they don't want to have to spend another $1,200 out of pocket for a new one. So having a company that has credibility to walk in or type on Google, you know, repair store nearby or iPhone repair or laptop repair, we come on usually page one in that market, kind of hopefully one or two or three. The other customer is in what we call an extended warranty customer. Extended warranty is like Assurion the largest insurance company in North America for electronics. They have 150 million customers in the U.S. based in Nashville, Tennessee. Maybe you don't, you know, you break your phone and you, you don't want to obviously have to spend out of pocket. So there's a small deductible you pay and then you get it fixed by you break, I fix. The third one is in warranty. In warranty, you know, like when you buy a Samsung laptop, you'll probably have a year or two on it well, we're their national partner in the US. So we'll actually fix that device for them. And they can set an appointment up through Samsung's website. And our software system is very robust that actually we get that repair or lead through that local store in the market. And So there's multiple streams of revenue in our business. There's not only just the store part of our business, there's you know local businesses that partner with us. There's national partners like Samsung, Google. We work with HP on the... Uh, on the laptop side with Verizon, on the corporate side for insurance work we do. And I mean, the list goes on. That's what's really, I think, appealing about our business is there's a built-in customer base when you join it.
1: Yeah, Um, I definitely get people listening to this program. We've been on for eight years who are um, thinking of starting a business Um, if they were, if somebody was considering whether to start a business from scratch, from the ground up or considering franchising, what would your advice be to those folks?
2: If somebody was wanting to start their own business, I would always say, make sure you have a proven business model. Make sure you have uh, a runway, like it's not an oversaturated business. For example, if you want to start a coffee business, I've got friends that started one in Orlando uh, two years ago and they're doing well. I would always make sure there's a a need for it in that local market, first of all. Uh, Make sure you have the support. I think make sure you have the passion to do that business. You know, I think a lot of people, they might get into the honeymoon stage early on and they're like, I love this business, but a year down the road, they're like, oh my goodness, I've got a lot of money invested. There's no support. There's no training. It's all on me. So I think that's what's very attractive about franchising is you have an inbuilt support system. And for example, at corporate, we have over 150 corporate employees that support our owners nationwide, from training your employees, to marketing your store, to assisting with the, the real estate, the site selection, lease negotiation, to actually sending customers to you the day you open up with our national partners. So um, there's a lot of things that I think people don't realize, um, or maybe are. They're excited about starting a business, but there's a lot of ground groundwork to start one, I think, and be successful. And um, I, I think in the US, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, about over 50 to 60% of businesses fail in their first year because of either lack of support or lack of capital.
1: Hmm. And so um, well, why do you think that is, by the way? And how does franchise help that?
2: So I think if, uh, so to kind of, I guess, take that question a bit further versus- so doing it yourself versus running a franchise or joining a franchise family. And um, I think if you're doing it yourself, you're usually, <clears throat> you've usually got a full-time job. I've noticed people that have done it before where that's kind of their income to start that new franchise. So you've already got 40, 50 hours tied up in another business. And at the same time, you're starting to, tr- you're starting to, um, you know, I guess, develop systems and hopefully develop a new business so you can take a step away from corporate or whatever it is you're doing. So I think one is from a timing perspective and people don't give it all the time they need to jump in. When it comes to, I think franchising, and I'm not trying to be biased in any way here. I've just seen this over the years. When you join a franchise, the day you move forward, for example, with You Break, I Fix, we set up a welcome call and there's an onboarding process to follow. So there's a lot of, I guess, time constraints taken away from you as an owner because we've already built them in place and we have the corporate assistance to assist with all the things I mentioned from site selection, training your employees, marketing your store. I mean, that's a full-time job in itself.
1: So, I mean, we're obviously in a digital world um, is, I mean, is the sky the limit with, do you think uh, you break it I fix? We'll, we'll go in. Uh, and I keep saying it wrong, you break I fix. I put in the word it there. Um, do, where do you see growth f- for your industry other than just opening new units?
2: Yeah, great, great question. So I do think at this stage of our business, we're we a very young industry, as I mentioned, I think this is a ground level opportunity still. And um, even going into 2021, 2022, and um, we as a company right now, or we actually hit this morning just before we called Jim and you called me for this call. We hit 600 stores as a company as of this morning across North America. So that's, a, that's I think, a big achievement, um, which really kudos to all of our owners for, for setting that up and just working so hard every day to make it happen. But yeah, we we with a Shurion, I think the, the most attractive thing, I think, with a Shurion is they have so many clients. Um, they do a lot of underwriting for Amazon electronic devices. They work with at and Verizon. Their clients are Samsung, Lenovo, Whirlpool. I mean, they have, they have over 100 clients. So I think for us, we are just scratching the surface, Jim, on how many customers will use our business um, at the local level. And then who knows what the future holds? Asurion do have a presence in 21 countries. Um, across the world and uh, who knows if this makes sense for their strategy and um, at this time we're really focusing on the us and canada and that's kind of our, our number one priority so it's exciting the industry is young the industry is thriving and i think it's only going to grow for the next five ten years
1: based on your experience so far who who makes a good franchise candidate for for you break i fix
2: Great question. So we have about 45% of owners, similar to your background, Jim, that have either worked for a franchise or been a franchisor. And 45% of our owners from the likes of McDonald's. Uh, We've got owners with uh, hair salon franchises in our system, Popeyes, uh, you name it, across the board. On on the other side, the other 55% are made up of entrepreneurs that maybe this is the first franchise that they're looking at and they decide this is the right fit from i think a cash on cash return of investment is a big thing when it comes to you break i fix and um, thankfully it doesn't cost you know a million dollars to get up and running and um, our stores typically get up and running for about 150 150,000 all in so i think that's one thing is making sure from a candidate perspective that uh, whether they have franchise experience or not it's for us it's irrelevant we want to make sure the the, the owner is able to lead a team. First of all, I think it's the most important thing. They're able to hire the right people. People is what make this business. I think that goes across for all franchise systems. And I also, we also look for people that are just very good with customer service. It sounds so basic, but that's our mission statement, Jim, is to serve the users of the tech space. So for us, we really rely on owners to take care of their customers. Every customer counts, every customer is unique situation coming in uh, they're usually not fist pumping when they walk into our store they're usually a little bit you know impressed um, depressed <laughs> made, yeah not depressed they're obviously thankful that there's an option out there to get it fixed quickly usually within an hour or two they'll have their device back but it's inconvenient so having people that are enthusiastic that care about customers and um, that maybe want to have some ownership in a franchise that has support and That's what we look for real, real basic. I know about just making sure they have the capital, they have leadership skills to develop a really strong team in the local community.
1: Right. What do you think? um, So if somebody was to get a franchise, you know, one of the questions they ask when they're even going to start their own business, when can I be cash flow positive? Like uh, I know you, you, every, every situation is unique, but on average, if somebody was to make an investment in a franchise like this, what, when can they hope to start making some sort of a living?
2: Yeah, so to, to your point, Jim, as you know, being a franchisee or it's it, across the board. I think you mentioned you've been in about fourteen to twenty states, and you've got had eighty stores that you started up with with them um, with your franchise. So for us, um, I always encourage prospective franchisees to connect with us. Let's talk directly about your market. Let's talk about economic indicators in your area, and um, we like to talk about real stores and real numbers. So. We we as a company have found the best success in staying away from projections because projections can can change with an owner yeah. involvement their team etc. But I appreciate the question people ask that on a, on a weekly basis and um, I think if if prospects are interested in diving deeper um, definitely go on our website ubreakifix.com forward slash franchising. There's uh, financial information on there about our store performances and after. After two years, our top tier stores do about seven hundred thousand in sales, um, and obviously we can dive deeper into what that looks like from a return of investment.
1: Wonderful. Well, Andrew, it's been very informative. How can people learn more about um, you break I fix and or working with you?
2: Yeah, so if, if they ever see a UBreakIFix store in their market, first of all, feel free to go and check it out. If the franchise owner's there, you know, feel free to have a conversation. But on the corporate side, um iFix.com, spell the letter U, the word break, the letter I, the word fix.com, forward slash franchising. And my uh, personal email is a.miller, spell M-I-L-L-A-R, at YouBreak
1: Wonderful. Andrew, thanks so much for being my special guest this week. I greatly appreciate it.
2: Jim, pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Andrew Miller from You Break, I Fix at www.youbreakifix, just like it sounds. Uh, I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. You take good care.